Hallelujah. Let's agree together in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, our hearts are full of praise and thanksgiving for the privilege to be able to fellowship with your spirit and your word. We pray that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened to see and to behold you in your glory and in your beauty, to see the glorious work of salvation and redemption that you have done in us by giving us your spirit. We pray that much more is that your word will find full expression in our hearts, in our conduct, in our actions, in our conversations, in our words, even to the praise and glory of your name. Amen and amen. Alright, we'll be continuing on our series, The Gospel Revealed in Genesis, and I believe this will be the third part, uh, the part three or episode three um, of this series. Um, we, we began to look into Genesis proper uh, in the last episode, um, and we, we, we spoke about quite a lot of things, and um, you know, I will encourage you, if you have not been able to listen to the last episode to kindly do so um, quite a lot was uh, was said and again much of the episodes will be building on the previous sessions so um you know of course i'll do my possible best to give a recap um however it's it will be much more fruitful to to you know listen to the previous episodes as well um, so let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Well, I guess that should be very easy to go to since it's the first book. So Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. And, you know, in the last episode, we, we um, emphasized that, uh, you know, Genesis was written by Moses to reveal the person of Christ, you know. Uh, Moses was not trying to teach us history. Moses was not trying to teach us um, astronomy. Um, Moses was trying to convey a message. Moses was trying to convey a person. Moses was trying to convey the character of that person. Moses was trying to convey the work of that person. And that person is the Lord Jesus. And, you know, in the very first episode, we emphasized that all that the prophets communicated, you know, the summary, when you put it all together, you know, the conclusion is in respect to the sufferings of Christ, you know, which, of course, ended in his death and the glory that was to follow. Or we can better say the resurrection, right? So the, the conclusion, the summary, the putting together of all that the prophets wrote about, starting from Moses or starting from Genesis, right, is seen in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, which is salvation, right, which is redemption that we have received. Um, and so, in, in going back to Genesis with that lens, with that mindset, with that approach to study, um, we are able to see beyond the, the veil of just the natural things that they wrote about. 
So we're able to see beyond the veil of just, oh, this is how the earth was created or this is how the world was created. We're able to see beyond that veil and actually see a person and actually see his work and actually see his sufferings, his death, his resurrection, his salvation plan. You know, we are able to see that and we are able to further appreciate that the Bible is actually one message. You know, the Bible does not contain different messages, different kinds of messages. It's not just a book you can say, oh, I'm getting inspiration for business or for this one or for that one there. No, it has one purpose. You know, there's a reason why it's called the Holy Scriptures or the Holy Bible. You know, it's not just scriptures. It's not just writings. It's not just books. You know, it's holy, meaning it is set apart. It is unique. It is special. It is a book set apart for a specific purpose. What is that specific purpose? The specific purpose of revealing a person. The specific purpose of revealing his work. The specific purpose of revealing his character. You know, that's what the Bible is for. Uh, fortunately, many people take the Bible and use it for different other things. But anyways, uh, <laughs> going back to Genesis chapter 1. So, we, we, we read that Genesis chapter 1 with an intent, with a focus. You know, we don't get distracted. Uh, we don't get sidetracked into other things. We get our minds focused on the very purpose of this chapter which is which is also the very purpose of the entire book of genesis which is the very purpose of the of the entire writings you know of the prophets which is the purpose of the entire bible right which is to reveal christ so when we read in the beginning god god created heaven and the earth reading it with a veil or reading it with a veil or with the veil is to see it in respect to time Oh, in the beginning of time, God created the heaven, you know, when, when we speak of the heaven, we're speaking of the sky, the moon, you know, the stars, the sun, and all that stuff, you know, and then the earth, you know, we're speaking of trees, animals, soil, plants, human beings, and all that, you know, that is reading it with a veil on, right? With the veil, you see it in the natural but once you turn to Christ, or once you remember, you know, Jesus' um, clear explanation, you know, of what the prophets were actually writing about, which is about unveiling Christ, which is about unveiling his work of salvation, redemption in his death and in his resurrection. Once you, you, you read it with that mindset, the veil is removed and you see much more beyond just the natural that was being written. So when you see in the beginning, for example, you know, of which we explained in the last episode in much more detail, we saw that the beginning is actually a person, you know, right? We see that the beginning is a person. And, and, and who is that person? You know, we saw that the beginning is Christ Jesus. So we saw it in Colossians where Jesus Christ is called the, the beginning of the creation of God. You know, uh, we saw again in uh, revelation where he's called the beginning and the end you know the first and the last the beginning of the creation of god we saw that in revelation as well you know um and then we also saw that the word for beginning especially in the hebrew can also mean false fruits right and we also saw that the word beginning can also mean firstborn. you know and we saw in so many places in scriptures where he speaks of christ as the first fruit right christ as the first fruit from the dead right and then we also saw again also 
as Christ as the firstborn from the dead. Right? So, um, we, we, we've seen, we see it in different places in scriptures. Jesus Christ as the firstborn of, of those who, who died or the first fruit of those who slept, you know, uh, and him being the first who was raised up from the dead. So, in different places in the scriptures, we see Jesus Christ being referred to as the beginning, the firstborn, the first fruit, right? So, that is, it takes away the veil of the beginning being, being in respect to time, right? So, we see beyond just, ah, the beginning is in respect to time. We see that the beginning is actually a person, right? So, in Christ Jesus, right? Or in, in the person of Jesus, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay, God created the heaven and the earth. So we also see the action of God, right? God creating or God making, right? So, and of course, that begins to, 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 to bring to mind, you know, the new creation, right? You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you know, in if any man be in Christ, he is what? He is a new creation, right? So in Christ Jesus is where we see the new creation, all things are passed away and behold, the new has come. The new has come. The new has come. So everyone who believes is in Christ Jesus and is therefore a what? A new creation. The old. What will be the old? The old life of sin. The old life of death. The old life of, of bondage to, to fear and, and all that you know contradicts the life of God. It is what? It is now gone away and we now have the new. We have the newness of God's life. We have the newness of his character. We have his spirit dwelling in us, right? You know, so, um, you know, we, we looked into those last week. So, God created, you know, Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, I believe, would speak of us being God's handiwork, you know, God's masterpiece created in what? In Christ Jesus unto good works, you know. So when we see, therefore, God created the heaven and the earth, we don't, we, again, we look beyond the veil of the natural, right? We look beyond the veil of, oh, and a, 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 a natural sky with the moon, the heavens, the stars, and all that stuff. You know, we look beyond the veil of that and actually see that heaven and earth are referring to what people, yeah? Heaven and earth referring to people, referring to men. You know, and of course, we now went into much more detail in respect to that to heaven, you know, and we looked at various scriptures where it, it spoke about, uh, you know, God dwelling in the heavens, right? You know, the heavens are his dwelling place. You know, the heaven is his throne. You know, so we saw so many places in the Old Testament pointing to the heavens as a dwelling place of God or where God dwells. And then we were like, okay, so um, how does that relate to man? Or if we're saying that the, the heaven and the earth speaks of men or new creation men, uh, well, how does that relate? You know, and then we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you know, where it speaks of us being the what? The temple of the living God or us being the dwelling place of God. How so? Because his spirit dwells in us. Right, so Paul will say, Know ye not <laughs> that ye are the temple of the living God, you know, or ye are the temple of the God who is alive, or the God who lives, or the God who makes alive, right? And therefore, you know, the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
So we therefore found that, oh, 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 in the Old Testament where we see the heavens is God's dwelling place and God dwells in the heavens and the, the heaven is his throne, you know, he's actually, it, that, those were actually types, those were figures pointing to God dwelling where in man. You know, so man is God's dwelling place. Man is God's tabernacle. So guess what? For the man who believes, heaven is in him. <laughs> Glory to God. I know that might seem uh, quite, you know, maybe mind-blowing or, uh, you know, can be like a bit of a shock. Uh, but in actuality, the, the heaven that God dwells in is in you, right? God dwells in you. His residence is in you. You know, you are God's postcode, you are God's address. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise God. You know, you are God's address. So God dwells in you. So when you say God created the heaven and the earth, right? It means that God created, you know, men in whom he will dwell in. Men in whom he will find rest. Men in whom he will be able to walk in, conduct himself in, live in and through them. You know, God finding full expression in and through men. Um, you know, so that, that is, that is heaven. That is actually earth, you know? So today we're actually going to go into much, much more detail on, you know, what the earth represents. You know, of course we've said, so we spoke extensively about the heaven last week. And of course, again, heaven and earth is just giving much more emphasis in terms of people, right? In terms of men, you know, who are the heaven and the earth? Heaven and earth are pointing to men. You know, which men? The new creation men. You know, men who have been created in the image and the likeness of God. After that same image of the firstborn, you know, which is the Lord Jesus. Anyways, um, so again, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Or in Christ Jesus, God created uh, men, <clears throat> you know, who are also referred to as what's the new creation. You know the new creation anyways um let's turn in our bibles to to um so in in respect to what does the earth represent right what does the earth represent so if we go to deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 deuteronomy 30 19 Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Oh, my apologies, not 30, 19. Um, Deuteronomy 31, that's where we ought to go. So Deuteronomy chapter 31, and let us read from the verse 30. Deuteronomy 31, verse 30. It says, and Moses spake in the years of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. Moses spake in the years of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song. So we have Moses, right? And he was speaking a song, right? So which means that he had an audience who were to give ear, or who were to give attention, or who were to listen to what he was speaking. Okay? And who are those audience? His audience are what? The congregation of Israel. So the congregation of Israel were to listen to what Moses was what was going to speak to them. 
Now, this is very vital. You might wonder, why am I making emphasis to that? It's so obvious. Um, because that's where the next verse now comes in. So, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 1, um, of course, we know the, the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. So, in reality, it, was, it should have just been a flow of reading. <laughs> you know, there really shouldn't be Deuteronomy 31, verse 30, and then Deuteronomy 32, verse 1. It, it, it should just flow together. But anyways, so now, what is the song that Moses spake? To what? To the congregation of Israel, who were his audience. It says in Deuteronomy 32 verse 1, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Hmm, wow, interesting. Okay, very, very interesting. So remember in the previous verse, it says that um, Moses speak to the what? To the ears of the congregation of Israel. And then in Deuteronomy 32 verse 1, Guess what? He says, Give ye what, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Okay, okay, okay. So, we therefore see that the heavens and the earth that were to give ye, and they were to hear what Moses was going to say, are what? At the congregation of Israel. <laughs> you see. Now, I mean, Moses is the same writer of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, you know. And Moses takes that same figure, that same typology, right, that same allegory, and uses it in Deuteronomy 32. Yeah, so again, Deuteronomy 31, 30, Moses speaks to the years of the what? Of the congregation of Israel. And then in Deuteronomy 32 verse 1, he says, give ye, O ye heavens, and hear, O earth. So, heavens, earth, speak of what? A people. So, heavens, earth can be used to represent what? People. Can be used to represent a congregation. Can be used to represent men. Yeah? Of course, when I mean men, I mean mankind, you know, in a sense. So, again, when we read Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God created what? Heaven and earth. We can actually say, in the beginning... Or in Christ Jesus, God created what? People. Right? And we can be more specific. Who are these people? It will be what? The new creation. Or those who believe in the message of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So believers. Right? Believers. Does that make sense? Very important. Okay? Okay, let's see another place where this is referenced. Uh, if we go to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Um, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2. We're trying to establish what does heaven and earth mean or what does it represent, right? Since we are looking beyond the natural, um, we are looking beyond the veil to see what Moses was actually trying to communicate, of which we can already see. And in Genesis 1 verse 1, Moses was communicating to us God's salvation plan or god's intent right which were to, which were to which was to create a people create mankind in his image in his likeness you know in christ jesus right so god created mankind in christ jesus or god created mankind in the image in the likeness in the character of christ jesus anyways <laughs> let's read on so isaiah chapter 1 Isaiah chapter 1, we read from the verse 1 to 2. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. 
it says the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now, this verse 1 is very, very important because it's laying the foundation, it's laying the ground for what we're going to read in the next verses, okay? Again, the vision of Isaiah, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So, who is this vision about? It is concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Who is the audience of this vision? Judah and Jerusalem. Okay, so very important. Of course, Judah and Jerusalem will be speaking about the people, right? Not necessarily the, 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 the land itself, but the people. You know, of which, by the way, you know, earth also means land. You know, so when we see earth and we say, oh, the land of Israel or the land of Egypt, the land of Judah, you know, that many times can also reference the people in that land. You know, so when we hear land or we see earth, it doesn't necessarily mean <clears throat> the location itself, but it can actually be pointing specifically to the people living in that location, right? Okay, so <clears throat> again, in Isaiah 1 verse 1, we see that Judah and Jerusalem represent what are speaking of a people. They are the, 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 the audience of this vision that we are about to read. Okay, so now when we go to verse 2, it says what? Here, O heavens, mm, and give ye, O what? Earth. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That's what we see in Genesis 1 verse 1. God created the heaven and the earth. That's what we see in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 1, right? Where Moses said, give ye, O what? Heaven, and here, O earth. Now we see Isaiah, right, who of course was a student of Moses because that was the scriptures of their day, you know, Genesis to, to Deuteronomy, you know, and, and some other writings. That was their scripture, you know. So Isaiah, <laughs> you know, got that same inspiration as well, you know, that Moses had. And in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2, it says, Hear, O heavens, and give ye what? O earth. So what did he say in verse 1 that the vision is about? It is concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Who is the audience of the vision? Judah and Jerusalem or the people of Judah and Jerusalem. So who will be the heavens and the earth being spoken about here? It would be what? The people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do you understand? Yeah. So we can see, of course, you know, heavens, the, the literal heaven does not have ear to listen to, to listen with. You know, the literal earth does not have a ear to, to listen with. So... Therefore, when it's saying here, O heavens, and give you O earth, you know, the, the vision is therefore speaking about people because it's people that have what he has to be able to, to listen to something, to understand, to comprehend something, right? So again, here, O heavens, and give you O earth is speaking of people, people, people. So do, do you see how we're building up to this? So we're seeing from the writings of Moses. Now we're seeing from the writings of the prophets, you know, where they are actually referencing heaven, earth, to what? To people. So again, Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Right? We can say, in Christ Jesus, God created mankind. Or God created mankind in Christ Jesus. That's a summary of God's salvation plan. Right? That is in Christ. Nowhere else. Not in anyone else. Right? 
It is not in, in man's ability that he creates himself. No, it is actually in Christ Jesus. In the work of Christ Jesus in his death and resurrection. That is how God creates men. Right? Which kind of men? What is also called the new creation. Okay, anyways. um, So that's Isaiah chapter 1 from verse 1 to 2. Okay, we can see another one and then we move on from there. So if we go to uh, Deuter- uh okay, we've looked at Deuteronomy. We have also looked at Isaiah. Now let us go to Micah. Okay. So let let us go to Micah. Yes. So Micah chapter chapter one. Micah chapter 1, we we can also read from the verse 1. So, Micah 1, 1. Micah 1, 1. The word of the Lord that came to Micah, the Morashtite, in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, um, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Wow, very interesting. So we see something similar to what was said in Isaiah, right? The word of the Lord that came to Micah, the Morashtite, in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw. So we see that this word of the Lord is a vision, right? Of course, it's not the word that he heard. He says it's the word that he saw. When you're seeing something, uh, it has to be a vision. And who is this vision or who is the word of the Lord that came to Micah about? It says he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Wow. Interesting. So this is the word that he saw concerning who? Samaria and Jerusalem. So we see the audience of this word that we're about to read in Micah. We see the audience of this vision. It is Samaria and Jerusalem, of course, not just not talking about the land or the cities, but the people, right? So we can see which he saw concerning the people of Samaria and the people of Jerusalem. Okay, now look at verse 2. In fact, verse 2 says it out clearly. Hear, all ye people. Hear, all ye people. Hearken, O earth, and all that therein is. Do you see? Right? I mean, the only thing missing here is the heaven. But if you look at earth, Harkin, O earth, who are the earth that he's telling to Harkin? <laughs> the people of what? Samaria and Jerusalem. Yeah, the people of Samaria and Jerusalem. So again, Micah must have gotten this inspiration from the writings of Moses, from the, the writings of, uh, of Isaiah, right? He could have gotten that same inspiration and then it is how he therefore wrote the content of this vision or how he started writing the content of the vision that came to him so again um, i believe all these verses should be sufficient enough to establish for us that in genesis chapter 1 verse 1 moses was not writing to us about the history of how god was creating the natural earth or the natural heavens beyond that moses was actually trying to convey a message you know you might ask why did moses not just write it plainly for us to see well 
you know, I actually don't know. <laughs> well, of course, also because of the hearts of the people that he was writing to, Moses was trying every way possible to be able to convey this message of salvation, this message of redemption, this message of God's creation act of men. He was trying to convey it, but, you know, of course, the hardness of the hearts of the people and the unbelief of the people made him speak in parables. You know, we can see that at a much later time. You know, as to why parables? Why, why did Jesus himself speak in parables? And he gave a clear explanation as to why. It is actually because of the audience. You know, God is not, does not write in parables, oh, just because he wants to specifically hide it and make it a mystery that people will not know. No, 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 no. He writes or he inspired men to write in the manner that they wrote because of the heart or the state of the heart of those people who were not willing to accept it as it was. But, you know, God, in not wanting to give up on men, decides that, okay, you know what? I will write it in a form of stories. I will write it in language that at least you guys are familiar with so that you can then hopefully think further and realize that, oh, you know, God is trying to communicate something deeper or something more than just the natural stories that has been communicated. Anyways, um, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in Christ Jesus. So if we are to speak in plainness of speech, <laughs> what will we say? God created mankind or God created the people or God created men in what? In Christ Jesus. Plain and simple. Genesis 1 verse 1. Yep, Genesis 1 verse 1. Now, again, it's, it's interesting to also note that the word earth can also be used as a figure or a type for the heart of man. Yeah, the word earth can be used as a type of figure as what? As the heart of man. Okay, let us look at something interesting. Let's look at a very interesting verse. Okay, so the earth can also be a type, a figure, right? A symbol of the heart of man or, or the heart of a man. So if we go to Proverbs 25, yes, yeah, that's right. Okay, so if we go to Proverbs 25, um, we're going to look at this, this part in much, much more detail. I'm going to look at it in much more detail. Um, you know, when when possible. We're going to look at it. So in the next episode, you know, this one is, is quite brief to just, you know, give a, a little bit of a, <laughs> you know, of a refresher of all that we've been talking about because it's been a bit of time since we had the last episode. So if we go to Proverbs chapter 25 from verse 3, okay, it says the heaven for height and the earth for depth, and the heart of kings unsearchable. Okay, so the heaven for height, and the earth for depth, and the heart of kings on what unsearchable. So, um, the the writer of the book of Proverbs, which is Solomon, of course, um, like Proverbs twenty five from verse one would tell us, these also Proverbs of Solomon, you know, of Solomon. So, you know. Um, Solomon was making a, an analogy here. You know, he first speaks of heaven for height. And then he now mentions earth for depth. And then he now mentions what he's actually saying. 
you know, he's actually saying that the heart of kings is what is unsearchable. So just as how the heaven for height and how, I mean, nobody can really calculate the height of the heavens, <laughs> you know, and nobody can really calculate the depth of the earth. So also the heart of kings is what is unsearchable. Meaning it's, it's wow, it's wide. It's, you know, there's a reason why it's called, uh, you know, the abyss or the bottomless pit. Okay. Anyways, that's jumping too far. <laughs> you know, I mean, in essence, I'm, that's me already saying that the abyss or the bottomless pit speaks of the heart of man, you know, because the heart of a man is basically, uh, it has no end. You know, it's unsearchable, just like Solomon says here. So why did we come here? The point is to show that the earth can be a figure or a type of what? Of the heart of man. The earth can be a type of figure of the heart of man. You know, in the sense of the depth of the earth, of the earth right? The depth of the earth, um, just as it can be measured, so also the heart of a man cannot be measured. You know, um, I think um, Ezekiel will say, the heart of a man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, like it's it's just uh, only God can actually know the depth of a heart of man. You know. But anyways, uh, so but that's just one. Let's see another scripture. Let's see another scripture. So it's not just that one. Um, if we go to if we go to Matthew chapter twelve, Matthew chapter twelve, verse forty. Okay, Matthew 12, 40. Matthew 12, 40. Okay. So Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. Okay, so Matthew 12, 40 says, it says, for as Jonah, that's Jesus speaking. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Hmm. <laughs> that, that is interesting. That is interesting. For as Jonah was, was three days and three nights, yeah, in the... um. In the belly of the great fish, right? In the belly of the great fish, so also, or so will the Son of Man, you know, so will the Son of Man uh, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Notice that reference in the what? In the heart of the earth. So, now, of course, this, this shows us some quite some few things. Now, when we read the story of Jonah, or when we read the book of Jonah, what is it actually trying to communicate to us? It is communicating to us what will happen to the Son of Man, which was, of course, speaking of Jesus. Right? Which was speaking of Jesus. Of course, we know he, Jesus died, and then on the third day, right, which is three days and three nights, he was what? He was actually raised up from the dead. You know, he was raised up from the dead. Uh, so, first of all, it teaches us that if we, so if we were to actually do the gospel reviewed <laughs> in Jonah, guess what our conclusion would be at the end of Jonah? That it was pointing to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It was actually pointing towards 
to Jesus being dead for three days and being raised up on the third day. Do you see? Yeah? Jesus being raised up on the third day. But again, what is quite fascinating to me and which I hope it should be to you too, right? Is that Jesus says that the Son of Man will be... Okay, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in what? In the heart of the earth. Hmm. Wow. In the what? In the heart of the earth. So, and again, this, this is actually also called, uh, you know, heart of the earth is, is, uh, is, is also called, um, you know, genitive of our position. So, what it actually means is that the heart of the earth can also be understood when we introduce the concept of a genitive of apposition, right? It can be understood to be in the heart, which is the earth. In the heart, which is the earth. Now, one will say, what does this mean? Uh, but Jesus was, <laughs> you know, was crucified and killed on, on the earth. Yes, you know, and then he was what? He was buried, <laughs> right? He was buried and then he was raised up. On the third day right but all of that was you know was all in the physical in the natural so how where does heart come into the picture <laughs> you know and this is actually profound because it tells us what it tells us that the the purpose of the death of jesus right is actually for what is actually for the heart of man right is actually for the heart of man so when we preach them, think about this, when you actually preach the gospel, of which the gospel's content is points to the death of Jesus, right? Guess what? That message that you are preaching, where is it going to? It is going to what? To the heart of the recipient. So as the person is hearing that message, that word is what? Is being sown in the heart of the hearer. So which means that the death of Jesus, you know, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, right, is to what is, 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 a, is a reality that did not just take place historically, right? So the death of Jesus is not just history. It is actually an ongoing reality in the what? In the heart of the hearer. So also the resurrection. So when he says the heart of the earth, or the heart, which is the earth, right? It means that the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the message of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, right, is to what? Is to be in the heart of the hearer. And it's to, and it is to be <laughs> perpetually there. Okay? It is to be in the heart of the hearer. Okay, perhaps this might seem like, oh, Daniel, it doesn't really make sense. This, this is quite a lot. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. You know, Paul spoke about this quite extensively and then we'll be rounding up there and then we'll look at it again next week. Alright? So, okay. Yes. Now, Romans chapter 10, let's read from the verse 5. Romans 10 verse 5. Now, look at this. It says, for Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law. Yeah? So Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law. That the man which doeth these things shall what? Shall live by them. 
okay, that the man which doeth these things shall what? Or which doeth those things shall live by them. So the man who says that, you know what? I, if I, I want to do it by my own effort, right? So the one who chooses that he wants to do the things written in the law by his own efforts, what shall he do? He shall live by it. So meaning that if he therefore does not do those things written in that law, what will happen? You know, the, the experience will be death instead of life. And that's what happened for the people of Israel, right? Who chose to want to do the things of the law rather than have faith. In fact, that's what verse 6 says. It says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. So there is the righteousness which is of the law or which is of the mindset of do, 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 do in order for me to live. But there is another righteousness which is of faith which speaketh. So the, the righteousness which is of faith speaks. It communicates something. What does it speak? It says it speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Okay, or who shall descend into the deep, right? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. Now, guess what? Okay, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, look at that. That is interesting. That is interesting. Now, now, Paul was actually quoting Deuteronomy, by the way. Um, we're not going to look too deeply into this verse because the reason why I brought us here is to, de- is to bring emphasis to the heart, right? So, but if you look at this here, it says, Say not in thine heart, okay? Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. So, ascending into heaven, right, would speak of Christ or the incarnation of Christ. You know, God becoming man upon the earth. And then it now says, Or who shall descend into the deep? You know, by the way, the word deep there actually means abyss. <laughs> you know, abyss, or it can also mean sea. You can you can check it in your concordance. And it now says that is to bring up Christ again, what from the dead. So ascending into heaven would point to the incarnation which ended in the death of Jesus, right? Or descending into the deep will speak of what? The resurrection of Jesus. By the way, I'm just saying what Paul explained here, right? What is the, what is in brackets? Who shall ascend into heaven? He says that is to bring Christ down, which speaks of God becoming man, living amongst men, and then being killed by man, right? And then he now goes on to say, who shall descend into the deep. That word deep there can also mean abyss, can also mean the heart of man. Right? And it explains it to be to bring up Christ again what? From the dead. But look at verse 8. But what saith it? It says, The word is what? Near thee. In thy mouth. Right? And in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So the righteousness which is of faith says something. What does it say? It tells us in verse 8. It tells us that the word, and who is the word? Right? The word is Christ Jesus. 
right? The message, the message is nearly even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word, the word of faith which we preach. What do we preach? We preach the gospel to men. What do we preach? We preach the death and the resurrection of Jesus to men. Now, guess where the content of that message is to be in? In the what? In the heart. So, the death of Jesus is a message that we preach in the hearts of men when they hear. So, when Jesus was saying that he shall spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth or in the heart, which is the earth, Jesus was speaking beyond just the natural dying on the cross and being raised up on the third day. Jesus was actually speaking about the de- his death, right, that is being preached in the hearts of men, or his death that shall that shall continue to remain in the hearts of men. So, therefore, the death of Jesus is not just something we say, "Oh, it happened two thousand years ago." Guess what? When you preach the gospel to men, you are actually preaching the death of Jesus. When you preach the gospel to men, his death is actually being emphasized in their hearts. And his resurrection also is also being emphasized in the heart. Now I know these explanations might have might be something that might take a bit to, to get, but please kindly do well to listen to it again. I'm going to make sure to you know explain it in a much more detailed manner in our next episode. But this is just something I want you to think about. You know, that when we refer to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Let's think much deeper. Let's think in Christ Jesus. God created mankind or God created a people, a people in whom he will dwell in, a people in whom he will find expression, find full residence in. In fact, we can say that in these people, God created what? A heart. Right? (laughs) And in that heart is an emphasis on his death. Right? In three days, he will be buried. He will die. He will be buried. And then on the third day, he will be raised up. And that is the heart that God created in men who believe in him. Praise God. Much more can be said, but we'll continue in the next episode. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your attention. And, um, you know, continue to bask in the truth of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Continue to allow that message, continue to allow that truth, inspire your, your actions, right, in the light of Christ. Let it inspire your conduct. Let it inspire your conversations, the words that you say. Let it be inspired by the truth that you are created in the image, likeness, character of God. Remain blessed as always. Thank you.